0: Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory
1: indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode 61. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me as always, every episode, is the influential Mitchell Davis. What's up?
2: Hello how you doing
1: good man good um very glad very happy to be doing another podcast with you
2: same here it's been a long time
1: yeah um yeah we've both been uh, very very busy but uh we were able to sneak this one in um hopefully we'll be able to sneak in a few more here and it won't be so long between episodes but um Yeah, this episode we have uh, three more artists that we're going to talk about from Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. The first one is Dixie Hummingbirds, a gospel group. Then we're going to look at British rapper Dizzy Rascal. And we're going to end with Brazilian artist Javon. So let's start with uh, the Dixie Hummingbirds. Uh, I... You know totally new to me did you know about them
2: before oh yeah 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 i I mean um loving black on the rock is like you know one of those gospel songs that you know you hear over the years i mean they they're one of the the most influential i guess what you would call jubilee style quartets you know of of the gospel era period yeah I, yeah i definitely knew about them just from my grandparents and you know parents and you know yeah growing up in church oh yeah yeah i'd, I'd heard of them before
1: well, that makes sense. I mean, that you heard of them from your your grandparents and your parents because these dudes performed for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A really long time. I mean, their their lead singer, Ira Tucker, joined the group in 1938 at the age of 13. And then he died. You know, he, he performed with them all the way up until his death in 2008. That means he performed with them for 70 years. Yeah,
2: that's amazing. Dude. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can tell that there's a lot of love there, especially, um, reading about them and stories where they, they really would perform everywhere, but really didn't make a lot of money, especially at first. And uh, you know, it's it's segregation, South, so you know that that would always come up where people you know would be after them and you know talking crazy to them. I mean, that to go through that kind of stuff and and just do it where you know, you're not making any money and it's, it's, it's tough. And yeah. That's, that's something I mean to, especially yeah. to do it that long. I mean, that's pretty awesome.
1: So. Yeah. Well, it sounded like they had, I mean, some really rough years in the early years, um, in the thirties and forties and, and fifties and sixties probably. I mean, they, they probably oh, yeah. dealt with some, some hard stuff for a, quite a long time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, we are going to uh, look at the first song um, off this record. So I actually I should say the name of the record is uh, "The Dixie Hummingbirds." Uh, Thank you for one more day. This was That's actually great, released. It's in a great
2: title. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, this was released in 1998, but it's like a it's like a greatest hits sort of compilation <clears throat> thing, basically uh, of. Recordings, I think, mostly made in the maybe 40s and 50s and 60s, maybe. I don't have dates on these in any of these recordings, but uh,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I just I'm, throughout, their, throughout their career. That's what yeah. I assume, too, just from, from the very beginning to the end of you know, what played up to this record almost. I mean, you yeah, know,
1: just yeah. Well, the first one we're going to listen to is uh, their take on the spiritual Ezekiel saw the wheel. Um, Completely a cappella presentation, meaning, you know, just just voices, no instruments. Uh, and it, the thing I loved about this, aside, you know, from the, the great harmony and stuff, um, is how it really features the bass, William Bobo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't hear a lot of arrangements that really feature the bass. And this guy was... he was awesome, man. This, yeah. this, his voice just... Uh, can go incredibly low, but it has a lot of facility and clarity, and um, yeah, yeah. What do you think in, of this?
2: And depth, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. His nickname was Thunder. Um, I I totally agree with you. When when you have a, a quartet with a good bass singer, um, you know, it it just adds so much more dimension to what you're trying to do. Especially like you said when it, when it's an acapella song like this. So so much of of gospel music started acapella where, you know, you know, people didn't have instruments, you know, especially back in the way back in the early gospel days where all you had was maybe hand claps and foot stumps and voices. You you had to be more innovative, you know, when there was no piano, organ, drum, guitar, all that usual stuff. Now that you see where where gospel choirs especially, I mean it's it's like a concert, you know. But but this was a lot more stripped down and, and these guys were, were adept at, you know, taking the sound that they had and and making the most of it to where it seems like everybody's singing, you know, really different, but they're all still kind of on the one where that harmony is there. And that, that's what makes it really cool.
1: Dude, that harmony is so there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, That's, that's something that, you know, when, when I was in choir and, and, and sang back in school, we would work out in the bathrooms where, the acoustics, you know, what would, would, you know, lend you a better ear to what would come out in your sound when you got in front of an audience. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what they would do. You know, when they would work out and practice, I'm sure they would go probably in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> the smaller, the better. I, I know that that may seem cuckoo, but you know, the smaller the bathroom, the better that, that echo would, would bring out all sorts of stuff that you would want to have in the music and stuff that you didn't. And, um, you know that i love this style of acapella singing yeah for sure
1: what what part did you sing
2: i sang bass
1: okay yeah that's I'm not, su- yeah. I'm not surprised you're saying bass and tenor
2: yeah i could sing bass and tenor i mean nice. and and really kind of more baritone you know
0: uh-huh. i mean
1: that that high tenor i mean
2: no nah, that's that's not me but you know i could really it's more like bass and baritone i mean i I would sing tenor, but it was it was a stretch, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. You know, but
2: definitely I could I could run I could run the bass, yeah, for sure.
3: <laughs>
1: nice. Um cool man. You wanna check this out? Oh yeah. Okay Let's hear it uh, This is the Dixie Hummingbirds With their version of Ezekiel saw the wheel Ezekiel saw
0: the wheel He saw that wheel where in the, in the, the middle, middle Of the air Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the wheel He saw that wheel In the middle of the air saying Ezekiel, Ezekiel the saw, saw the wheel He saw that we in the middle Of the air Ezekiel saw the wheel In the middle Of the, the air, air. One of these moans about five o'clock, in, in the, middle the middle of the air, don't go well, as it's so well. The real reeling rock, you know, in the, in middle, the middle, middle of the air, he's killed, saw the wheel he saw that we were in the middle of the air, he's saw the in the middle, middle air, of the air. air. I've told you once, and I've told you twice. In the middle of the air All of them sons going to hell for rolling and the night, you know In the middle of the air they ain't singing Easy saw the wheel He saw that wheel in the, in the middle of the, of the air Easy saw the wheel oh, In the, the middle of the air Oh, when I get up on the mountaintop don't you don't. In the, the middle, middle of the air Oh, God and, okay, saw the wheel. Saw wheel and we just heard
1: Ezekiel saw the wheel, and we're going to move on to Love Me Like a Rock. And I think, uh, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but I think this was a big hit for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, has a kind of kind of early, sort of an early rock and roll backbeat. Yeah. Um, and Ira Tucker's vocals here are, I think, what would eventually become very soul, like very influential yeah. on later soul singers like James Brown and, and Otis Redding and others. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I was kind of wondering this when I was listening to it. Um, you know, because it is kind of rock and roll and, and the vocals are the, the way they are and stuff, how did the gospel establishment uh, you know, react to that. I,
2: I'm so glad you 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 brought that up. That was an issue. I mean, the the line between what you would consider, you know, I guess secular music and and you know, sort of you know gospel music, if you would, it was it was very thin sometimes. You know, and obviously you you wanted to make p- music that people liked, that people would would get up and want to clap their hands, maybe even dance. But you didn't want to step over, especially if you were a gospel artist, that line to where it was too, you know, rocking or or too soulful. And I mean, a lot of artists, I mean, Aretha Franklin, um, Al Green, you know, who who kind of went between both genres like that gospel and soul were criticized for years. Aretha Franklin was I mean, they they took her to task because I mean, her. Her father was, you know, one of the most you know, famous ministers ever. And then she was just a great gospel performer. But when she went away from making gospel music, in, you know, from the beginning and went to soul, some people, you know, were very upset, you know, turned their back on her, saying that she was a sinner and all this other kind of stuff. And, yeah, it was it was an interesting time. I mean, that that kind of happens still now. I mean, like say like an artist like Kirk Franklin. I mean, some people, you know, have said that Kirk Franklin really is not a gospel artist, you know, with his style of music. But I think, you know, with, with the way generations are, especially this generation back then, you know, you didn't play, you know, if you were either gospel or you were soul, but you couldn't be both. Yeah. And, um, uh, when you, when you would make a song like this one that definitely had a rock and roll style influence, you know, that I'm, I'm pretty sure it stirred up some dissent, but I, I'm, I'm not a very religious person, <laughs> if that, you know, makes sense. I mean, I, I'm a person who believes in God, but I think religion as a whole, I mean, obviously, if you're watching the news lately, you know, is generally, it just is not good for people. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where it just, it's so divisive. And yeah, I, I, I love the fact that you can make a song like this and it can just have a broad appeal you know because it's technically I guess it's in a way it's not really a a gospel song it has gospel influence but listening to the song I mean it sounds definitely more rock and roll than than gospel and I don't don't have a problem with that you know so it's just one of those things where you know you kind of have to hope that that people you know they find their own way you know and if they find their own way through a song that has rock and roll influence so be it right (laughs) right
1: Well, I just thought it was an interesting dichotomy because the Ezekiel saw the wheel. I mean, this is firmly gospel. Oh, yeah. And it cannot be mistaken for anything else but gospel. And uh, Love Me Like a Rock is, you know, something that it jumped uh, genres. You know, it had a, a wider appeal. I mean, Paul Simon did a version of it in 1973 mm-hmm. with the Dixie Hummingbirds, mm-hmm. which was a hit for him that year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Let's, uh, yeah, let's... Ex-
2: exactly. I, I, like I said, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, we could, we could expound more on that, but it's just one of those things where, you know, just don't be so judgmental with people, you know, just if, if, if somebody has a gift, you know, let them, let them handle that gift. Okay. Like the movie, Ray where where Ray, Ray Charles went through that real bad too you know Ray Charles could do pretty much anything I mean yeah. he was definitely a good gospel singer soul and jazz singer and made you know some country records which people were like you know Ray <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with you Yeah
1: we actually talked about that on that episode yeah yeah Yeah
2: yeah but I mean again it's just you know he he was such a gifted artist and I mean these guys they were really really gifted why why hide your gifts that's that's not even I mean if you read the bible that's not even biblical you know where you you hide your gifts i mean if you have something that can really help you as well as other people so be it you know so anyway that's that's enough of that (laughs) yeah no
1: no no yeah all all good points um so let's check out this last track uh from the dixie hummingbirds and uh they're you know just an incredible group that uh spanned really generations and uh, influenced a lot of artists um this is love me like a rock Mm.
0: when i was a little boy boy, and the devil would call my name i was just a boy i'd say
1: We just heard Love Me Like a Rock, and we're going to move on to our second artist, British rapper Dizzy Rascal. And I I was also, all this stuff I'd never heard. I mean, all these albums this week uh, I'd never heard before. Um, we're going to look at his album, uh, Boy in the Corner, his debut album from 2003. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about this a little bit you know, before we started recording um, about his rapping style and how it's very different, you know, very unique, maybe not for everybody. Um, what, I don't know, did, had you heard any Dizzy Rascal before this?
2: No, no, I, I was familiar with his name, but I, I mean, I had moved away from, you know, what we used to do, obviously, music retail, which th- that's the fun thing about that is, it's like sitting at the mouth of a river where you see everything come out. I mean, whether you like it or not, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that guy. Well, I mean, at the time, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd heard that name, but, uh, I did not know any of his music until just recently when we were getting ready to start talking about him. And, um, yeah, he's, he's not typical of what you would consider most rappers, even for that time, you know, which was like 2002, 2003, somewhere in there. Um, his style is he is a regional British dialect where he raps. And I mean, that that in itself is kind of cool because I think wherever you're from, you should represent, you know, so to speak, especially when you're a rapper, you know, whether you're from, you know, down south here in, in Texas or Louisiana or if you're from, you know, Europe and, you know, MC Solar from France, he, he always raps in French, you know, where you're like, I don't know what he's saying unless you speak French. But it's the it's, you know. That plus the beats and, and the tracks that he would use. I mean, it was all kind of like, you know, the drum and bass and garage style music. It wasn't your typical, you know, the way hip hop, you know, is kind of you know, you know, four quarter beats, if you will, or the tracks that would sample, you know, old soul or jazz. It was way away from that. Right, you know? right. And um that in itself is was interesting with this because I as I listened to it, I was like, you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting and cool because it's very different. It's not for everybody, like you said, but it's it's cool because he's like I said, he's just representing where he was from and what was going on in that period. And um, his rapping style is it can be kind of sporadic and, and crazy. I mean, lending to to his name,
0: you know. Yeah.
2: Um, but I, I you know I kind of am getting into it. I mean, it, it, when I first heard it, I was just like, you know, what the hell. You know, but it is you know it is something that's very very different.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So,
1: I one thing I thought you know was kind of, even though it is really different, one thing I thought was kind of old school about it was that the backing tracks are just, even though you know he doesn't use the the typical samples, they are all DJ samples from records. You know what I mean? Like that's that's you know that's something that goes back to. All you know, all the way back to you know yeah. DJ Cool uh, Herc and African Babada and all those guys.
2: Yeah, so it's it's like he's actually got somebody back there, you know. He does. Yeah, he has yeah, a DJ on, that he
1: works with, and um, it, you know, so in that sense, I think it is sort of like the old school way, but the the samples that they use are definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would be interesting to hear to see, like, where all these samples are coming from. Um, like, in the the first track that we're going to look at, um, Fix Up, Look Sharp, uh, there's definitely a Billy Squire sample in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's sort of like... And I don't know where the drum beat comes from. It may also be Billy Squire. It is this very, like, just straight-ahead kind of 80s rock beat that is, it would sound you know at home in a billy squire tune um yeah and uh yeah you know yeah just different you know in his rap style like we were talking about uh tom moon sort of mentions that you know a lot of british rappers up until this point had sort of tried to americanize their voices to sound more like american rappers this guy makes no attempt yeah to americanize himself in any way no he, no yeah.
2: He, yeah he's he's he you can tell he's 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 like he's like a street style rapper but on the british streets you know. yes and and yeah like i said that's that's the thing about it. it's it's different but it's it's cool you know i mean yeah he, it's cool he, he's definitely representing where where he was coming from and not like you said not trying to think you know what would what would guys in california or new york or or wherever what how would they sound you're right you're right that's that's definitely true with this record uh you know, and and I mean the, the definite roots of hip hop and and the style of what makes hip hop, what it is, they're there. But, you know, he he totally flipped it, and I mean I, I I think it was one of those deals where, even people there in, in London, I mean, they were like, you know, this is somebody we can kind of rally around. This is he's our boy, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I I like that. I'd like that. You know, you can represent from wherever you are. You don't have to copy and you know exactly copy it <laughs> exactly yeah
1: exactly I mean I think that's one of the things that we both loved about what you mentioned earlier about MC solar when we kind of discovered him we were working at the record store hey everybody I just wanted to pop in for a second to tell you guys about an awesome new podcast it's one of my new favorites it comes from guitarist and composer Matthew Cochran It's called goes to 11 so if you're any kind of guitar enthusiast you probably get that reference Um, goes to 11 is the weekly podcast about the world of the guitar and uh, he basically covers guitar heroes first season is about guitar heroes and uh, its extremely well produced and well done Um, I I love this podcast Uh, he's got a season 2 coming up which starts Thursdays in September Uh, among the highlights he's interviewing Chris Critter Eldridge from the Punch Brothers fingerstyle legend Don Ross and the Polish classical guitar virtuoso Marcin Dilla and I it's awesome guys go check it out it's one of my new favorites goes to 11 it's available on iTunes and other places where you get your podcasts And uh, check it out. Matthew Cochran goes to eleven. Is that he? You know, there's no attempt there to be American. He is like completely French, Mm -hmm. but it's it's cool. It's still it's super cool that he's you know just himself and representing again where he's from. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um let's uh let's check out this first track. Cool. This is Fix Up Look Sharp. OOA
4: In the fast, keep a firm steady stance Keep the beanies talking, keep the beanies hot flushing Flashin' MCs down the groove If you don't believe me, bring your pussy, bring your crew Feel free to hit cause I ain't trying to be your mate Be serious, you won't lost an hour in my shoe Woo! It's a Air Force One Trainers by the truck, long trainers by the ton
1: fix up look sharp and we're gonna move on to the second track brand new day um this one man he, he is like his his uh if this is even a word his britness is uh, <laughs> is like it's just over the top on this one um yeah. and his rapping man is just it's so fast and frenetic It is
2: rapid fire i agree yeah I, that's one thing that was kind of on my very fast Very quick where you're like, what the hell did he say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I mean, uh, it's it's yeah, he's he can go.
1: Yeah. And it does. I mean, at times it makes it uh, difficult for someone who's not an East Ender of London um, to understand because his accent is is very thick, you know, to that particular part of London. And uh, he's actually using some, like, local slang from, like, the yep. he and his buddy, you know, that we wouldn't know over here. Um, and he's rapping so fast. You know, it can be difficult to understand it, but it's still really cool to hear.
2: Yeah. 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 it's. I, I, I like an open window sometimes to the other side where I can see what other people are doing. And, and it's not, you know, like you said, Americanized, which I – I hate that word, but you know, I mean, it, it is a thing where where so many people take you know what what happened here in America that was whatever was big, and they copy it, and it's just like you know. Uh, but I, yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a grimy style of rapping where you can tell. Like I said, the guy is he, he's he's a street rapper, like a battle rapper who who could just drop it at any minute. You know seemingly right off the top of his head um and then, like you said i mean the 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 dialect is is so key here where like you said he's he's throwing some words where you're like you know what does that even mean you know it, yeah. it's this total like you know slang from from wherever he he was from you know and i mean and that's that's another thing too because i mean you know britain is one of those places where people are from all over the place and um you know all kinds of weird you know dialects can start to mix with each other and um, you know that that can be interesting, so
1: yeah um, you know. yeah he um you know he had a a kind of a rough childhood, grew up in kind of a rough neighborhood, it was just being raised by his mom, got into a lot of trouble when he was young, and his rise to fame was really quick I mean like he he uh, recorded this album when he was he was just 18 when he yeah. recorded this album and it won uh the equivalent of what would be sort of like a British Grammy uh um, yeah, the
2: Mercury Prize I think
1: yeah um, and uh it just you know shot him it, in Britain you know just shot him up to to fame really quickly and yeah. uh you know it, a lot of times you know when that happens to someone that young you know uh it can end up kind of disastrous um But he seems to have handled it well and, you know, has kept going and kept putting out uh, albums that have been, you know, influential. And yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's cool when you see someone, especially like him, where he first came out and was so raw and so different. Yeah. You know, be accepted by the, the musical community so much where people just I mean, they loved him. Is you know especially in in Britain I mean you know he he gradually started to get you know you know big you know fame in other places but there I mean you know they it was just like you know this explosion you know yeah that's really cool I mean to see you know that kind of you know artist you know who who really really didn't I guess in a way have an audience before he made his record. You know, because he had a, a style that was so different and so new, but it was like an untapped audience, if you will, that that was really looking for a true British hip hop artist that had the, the slang and the dialect that would represent London, East London. And, and you know, that part, because I mean, that's the funny thing, too, is that you think about hoods, you know, ghettos or whatever here in the United States those are everywhere you know <laughs> those are everywhere I mean you have regions where you have you know upscale neighborhoods and neighborhoods that are that are you know hoods you know or ghettos if you will and then you know those areas when they're not represented it's it's a shame you know because there's so much that happens that's you know magic in those neighborhoods I mean there's some obviously some bad things that happen you know obviously you know what he was doing you know drugs and crime and all that but but then there's other things that go on where you have really talented people with voices that never get heard, you know? And uh, I think that's another cool thing about him, you know, is just that, you know, that that was one thing that that needed to happen in that region. They needed a voice. They needed a style of, of rapper that would come out and represent that area, you know? Yeah. Um, it's always good when that happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Alright, let's check out this uh, last track from Dizzy Rascal. This is Brand New Day.
4: Yeah. MCs better start chatting about what's really happening. Because if you ain't chatting about what's happening, where are you living? What are you talking about? Because you know what I know. It's, gonna yeah. you know it's, I it's
0: going
4: to be a hot summer. And you know what? It's going to be a hot winter. And I ain't even Rascal. talking about the weather. Dizzy deep Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy uh. Rascal. Looks like I'm losing friends There's a lot of hostility in my end. We used to argue, always make up with be friends Now we settle disagreements uh, with the skeins yep. Looks like I'm losing mates There's a lot of hostility near my gates We used to fight with kids from other estates Now 8mm seven debates Whoa. Looks like I'm losing sight Cause I'm looking at the future it ain't bright So I look out my window and pray every night I thank God for my friends but they ain't tired yep. Looks like I'm losing hope Cause I climb this mountain without roll. But I know I'm the captain of my boat uh, So I steadily sell and hope not to blow up But it's but a brand new day oh. And new opportunities what can, I say? What can I, say? I say? I plan to make my pay, put uh, some away for a off-key day. It's a brand new day, yeah. new opportunities. What can I, no say? I say? I plan to make my pay, put uh, some away for a off-key yeah. day. Uh, yeah. Demand yeah. collectors, uh, upfront and direct. Yeah. Pay money, pay respect. You yeah. don't insult my intellect. Yeah. No, demand collectors, uh, cash upfront yeah. and direct. Pay yeah. money, pay respect. Yeah. Don't insult my intellect. Yeah. No more, will it still be about where it is right now? Like fighting for anything, anytime and Action without a care anymore. yeah. And when we ain't kids no more, will uh. it still be about where it is right now? Like bank scams, street robbery, Shotters, blotters or HMP And when we ain't kids no more, will it still be about where it is yeah. right now? Pregnant girls who fit new love useless mans with no plan. When we ain't kids no more, will it still be about where it is right now? Cause negative signs just keep showing, keep showing up Some of us better just start growing up Yo. But it's a brand new day wow. New opportunities, what can I say?
1: And we just heard brand new day, and we're gonna look on, uh, move on <laughs> rather to our last <laughs> artist, Javon, his album Lutes from 1982. which Lutes means light, um, but uh, yeah, this Brazilian artist. Who is kind of hard to pin down? I mean, when I first started listening to the album, I was kind of turned off by it. I think I mentioned that to you, like in a message. Mm-hmm. The, but the more I listened to these songs, the more they started to grow on me. These these two songs that we're going to talk about. Um, what I, what did you think of him?
2: Well, I, I love Brazilian music, you know, especially when people sing, you know, in in the native language, you know, the Portuguese and and the music has the harmony and and the melody and rhythms i mean i'm a sucker for that i love brazilian music i really really do um and this guy i mean is he like my, my favorite brazilian artist oh no but he, he he gets it i mean especially the the pop side of brazilian music which kind of mixes you know some jazz and and folk styles you know into the music um you know, and the and the rhythm is definitely there. I mean, in the in the book, uh, Tom Moon, you know, kind of talks about how, you know, the the style of, of Brazilian music here it's it's like winding paths through a forest, you know, where it's it's not stiff and and you know, sort of, you know, one beat you know that that goes throughout the song continuously. It it, it kind of blends, you know, and uh, I I like that where where an artist can can take arrangements and songs, especially with Brazilian music and kind of mix it up, which I think he does here. You know, uh, there, there's also talk about how, you know, computers can get into music where, you know, you can take your ideas and kind of move them around a lot easier. And the the musicality of of the actual music kind of gets lost, you know, and that's one thing about Brazilian music, especially when it's it's actual musicians playing It can be beautiful when it's done right and i mean this guy i mean he's got a pretty great voice um, and he's surrounded by pretty good musicians i mean that that's one thing about brazilian music that i i definitely especially when the guitar is really nice and you have great percussion i mean it's just great music to relax to or dance to and um that's what i i get when when i listen uh to this record i mean yeah you know it's just like really good and I mean, I don't speak Portuguese, but even even the language and the way it, the, the singing comes across, it's it's musical, you know, it's it's rhythmic and, and, and sweet at times, you know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always one problem. We have uh, albums that are in different languages and we don't know what they're saying, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a problem. But um yeah the first you know when I first started listening to this the first track I listened to is not one we're going to play but um, it, there's an interesting mix on this album of like what you said like Brazilian popular music and then some like early 80s real early 80s sort of pop styles Yeah, you know um, some of it to me like not necessarily his his vocals but some of the backing tracks you know sound like you know sort of close to like early 80s stevie wonder or um i don't know stuff like this and some of it they they have those early 80s kind of electronic music electronic instruments you know that sometimes to my ear sounds a little sounds a little cheesy yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean you know I, i i i get that too but you gotta think too when the period when the record came out. I mean, yes. it was nineteen eighty two, so you know I'm sure that had a big part of it. But I mean, I also look try to try to look at the body of work and not just that one period. You know where you know that that was just the thing. I mean, everybody wanted to try you know drum machines and synthesizers, but I don't think it gets too lost here. I mean, I, it it still sounds you know more organic than a lot of other know i guess what you would call synth pop music yeah. at that time you know it's it's much more <laughs> i mean right you know it, it it's it's a lot more lively and, and i mean not that i mean synth pop stuff is okay you know it's it's got its place too but with to me brazilian music i mean i think about things being more vibrant and colorful and warm and like being in the jungle and you know it's it's not you know Soft sell the Depeche Mode for sure. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's and I mean, like I said, the 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 thing about that it's just, it's just a period. I would say, you know, I mean, yeah. that was just one of those things yes. where it, it was nineteen eighty two. So yeah, you know.
1: yeah, yeah, def- yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, we're gonna start with this uh, track, Sina. I hope I'm saying that right. And um, you know, there's some interesting things in here. I mean, uh like we said, you know, the sound and the production and all that stuff is, you know, very early eighties. But, um, you know, one interesting thing about his vocal style and his vocal melodies and harmonies is, uh, that, and this is one thing that, that you mentioned that Tom Moon pointed out, they're very organic almost, you know, they just sort of like flow and twist and turn and, and, uh, and move and change and twist and, all that kind of stuff. They're not these static melodies that just repeat all the time. Yeah. Um, and there's an interesting part in the middle where we sort of get this like two chord vamp going on almost. And then he almost, it sounds like he almost like freestyles just all this stuff. It's almost a, some of it's approaching like jazz mm-hmm. vocals. And uh, he just freestyles vocals all over the place and creates these vocal harmonies and, you know, over this kind of vamp. And, uh, yeah. It's you know I mean it's definitely different you know yeah uh, and and yeah.
2: again I don't speak Portuguese but it's like his voice is like an instrument you know so it yeah. doesn't even matter you know? right right and uh, and I would like I would like to learn to speak Portuguese one day that would be kind of cool just to you know I get it now you know <laughs> everything that everything that I've ever heard in Brazilian music I was like, oh I get it you know so. sure
1: yeah then you could go down to Brazil and fit right in. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's check out this first track Um, from Javon. This is Cena. Do
3: Mar, o Sol, e o dom. not Que sa, um dia, a fúria, de si, fó, vira, lapida, <laughs> o sonho, até gerar o som. Como querer, Caetania, o que a de bom, o lua, estrela, do Mar, o Sol, you do O um sonho até gerar o som como querer Caetaninha, o que
1: heard cena and we're going to move on to our second track from javan capim um this one is really brazilian very very you know música popular brasileira you know the the popular music of brazil this is very very that um his vocal style is very you know brazilian you'll you know you guys will know what i'm saying when you hear it uh and the music, the rhythm, all that stuff. This is very, very Brazilian. This, this was like, you know, there, there was a. It's a sort of interesting album, you know, to take because, you know, was recorded in 1982. I think there was an attempt to tap into that sound, yeah. You know, quote unquote, that was going on at the time. Um, and there are some tracks that are very kind of American pop, 1982, soft yeah. soft popish. But that, this track got, is like very Brazilian.
2: Yeah, that's probably got a lot less to do with him and his record label more where they they need this type of song and that type of song. Uh, I'm sure, just, yeah. Just for marketing and then everything else, you know, you you can be you. And, right. You know, especially back then, you know, this, you know, I, I mean, I, it still happens now, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was one of those deals where it's like, you know, we, we have to have a song that sounds, you know, like this, so we can try to cross it over, and you know. Yeah,
1: so. I'm sure you're right. You know, and the album was recorded in L. A. in 1982, uh, and so yeah. I can, I imagine <laughs> there was, you know, uh, record label reps there. There was some slick L. A. producer there, you know, saying yeah. we need this and we need that, and yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. What do what are record companies know about making
1: records? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. Anything else about this one? Capim before we listen to it? No, you
2: you I mean you pretty much hit it on the head. I mean it's 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 one of the more, you know, like you said, Brazilian feeling tracks on the record. Yeah. And um, you know, like I said, I, I just I have a great love for Brazilian music. I mean, you know, it's it, it's hard, I mean it has an organic nature that I, I can never get tired of. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. so, so, so much about what I love about music is there in most Brazilian music, you know, just especially the harmony and melody, the way things work when they work really well. Um, there's a lady, uh, Sabrina Melherios, I think that's how you say her last name. She's she's an awesome example of like a, a younger Brazilian artist uh, who, who can use a, an organic, you know, style of you know brazilian music and then can throw in also you know synths and and drum machines and that kind of thing and it it never really gets stale i mean great rhythm throughout you know a really good voice i mean just you know whether it's really quiet and still or really aggressive and rhythmic i mean you know yeah, and I, I just you know I, I love I think I said that already I love Brazilian music. You know?
3: <laughs> so
1: okay, but anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's check out this last track from Javan. This is Capim. Mm.
3: Um pouquinho desse seu leitoninho Que eu tenho carinho para lhe fazer Capim do vale, vara de goiabeira Na beira do rio, paro para me vencer Mãe d'água, saia um pouquinho desse seu leitoninho Que eu tenho carinho para lhe fazer Pinheiros do Paraná Que bom ter luz com areia no mar Mangas do Pará, pitombeiras da borborema Ema gemeu no troco do jurema Cacique perdeu, mas lutou que eu vi Jari não é Deus, mas acham que sim, que fim Levou o amor, plantei um pé de fulô, deu capim Capim do vale, vara de beira na beira do rio Pará, Pará me benzer Mãe d'água, sai um pouquinho desse seu leito ninho Que eu tenho carinho para lhe fazer Capim do Vale, Vara, de Goiabeira Na beira do Rio, Pará, Pará, me pensar Mãe d'água, sai um pouquinho desse seu leito ninho Que eu tenho carinho para lhe fazer Pinheiros do Paraná, que bom Deus com como areia no mar do Pará, Pitombeiras, da Borborema e, Mas gemeu no tronco, do juro é Cacique perdeu, mas lutou que eu vi Jari não é Deus, mas acham que sim Que fim levou o amor Plantei um pé de fulô, deu capim
1: And we just heard Kapim from Javan, and that's going to do it for this episode. Episode 61 of the 1000 Recordings Podcast. You can send us an email at 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Twitter at 1000RP. You can join us on Facebook. Um, You can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash 1000RP. And, uh, that would help us greatly in, uh, purchasing the music and, and all kinds of other stuff. Um, and you can go to iTunes if you, uh, like the show and leave us a rating and a review. And if you do, we will read your review on the show. Um, I would urge people to, uh, if you like the show, head on over and, and give us a review. It'll help us in visibility. And we had not had a review. We have not had a new review in like two years out um i know it's been a while so if you're a fan of the show and you got you know five minutes head over to itunes and leave us a review we will appreciate it and read it on the air um so next time on 1000 recordings hopefully uh it'll be not sooner than later (laughs) yeah sooner than later um We've got uh, DJ Shadow, which I know you're uh, excited to talk about him. Very excited. I am.
2: Yeah, that's going to be fun.
1: Uh, We've got a jazz record from Eric Dolphy. And we've got Antoine Fats Domino.
2: Yeah, good stories about him, I'm pretty sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So that is next time on the podcast. Um, Any uh, parting words, Mitch, before we finish?
0: Uh, good to be back.
2: Good to do another show. Um, Thanks everybody, uh, people for supporting the show, checking out our Facebook page, of course. Uh, very grateful. Uh, this is just something we we both still love to do, even though we don't have as much time lately <laughs> to do it. Uh, but but thanks everybody who, who you know still listens to and supports the show. We're very grateful. Thank you.
1: Definitely. All right. Well, until next time, we will review uh, more music from Tom Moon's book later. Everybody. Bye
4: bye.